From Double Day to Current Day, this is Vintage Baseball Rewind. Today's show is about December 5th. As of 2022, there have been 100 Major League Baseball players who have been born on December 5th. 47 Major League Baseball players have passed away. There's over 60 other special events. Here are five things every baseball fan should know about December 5th. I'm Tom Hannon from TomsVintageBaseball.com, and I'm excited to announce a new co-host to the show, Matt Musico from MLB Daily Dingers. Matt, welcome aboard to the show. Thanks a lot for having me here, Tom. I really appreciate it. And I've always loved diving into baseball history to every opportunity, and there's just so much history to digest that I often get lost in it every time I try and do it. So I'm really excited to be here on the podcast with you to dig into a lot of these events on a daily basis. I love home runs, and I've just, uh, you know, I've gotten lost in some of your stories. What's your best, what do you think your best story is on the home run history? Ooh, that's a good one. I think um, I think the thing that I like the most is going through each team's all-time home run leader. Because uh, lots of times when you go through uh, the single-season all-time list just for the entire league, you get a lot of the same guys over and over again. So being able to go and check out some uh, of the players and home run royalty that each team has had has really been a lot a lot of fun for me. I get to talk about guys that when I started the project, I wouldn't have thought I'd be able to talk about. So I think that's probably the most fun that I've had, just kind of uncovering those unlikely guys or guys that people didn't expect to see on those pages uh, in those types of articles. You you know, I know my accent may give it away that I'm from Boston. And (laughs) I was just, I was was looking at something about the Red Sox uh, today, and they've only had 10 players who hit 200 uh, more career home runs in, in a Red Sox uniform, and that really surprised me. I, I, I just always assumed there was more. Yeah, I mean, it, it is surprising when you take a look at that stuff. I mean, these days, especially now, it's a lot harder to do because longevity with one team isn't isn't really a thing anymore. So uh, a lot of those numbers and the number of players who hit those types of benchmarks and milestones are probably going to stay consistent uh, as they are for a while now. I mean, I know you're a Mets fan, and uh, Darryl, I was I was looking at that today, and, and Strawberry has 252 home runs, but I think that's going to get broken probably within the next couple of years. Um, yeah, maybe. yeah. some guy named Pete Alonso is pretty good at hitting home runs. He's, he's, I think he's already sixth or seventh all time, and he's, you know, three well three full years in three and change if you want to add the 2020 season too so yeah he's he's the kind of homegrown home run hitter that the Mets have never seen before which is pretty exciting yeah I mean the guy's amazing if he stays healthy that's he, he's I would I would say sometime maybe 2025 yeah could be before he's slated hit free agency which would be an interesting bargaining chip if the Mets haven't locked him up before then <laughs> well uh, let's let for your sake I hope they do because I do like <laughs> it when players uh, are on teams for a long time. I, I missed that. Yeah, personally. agreed. All right, so we're going to um, roll this out a little bit here. I like to start the show off with some trivia. So this is a really interesting one that I found. Uh, you know, hitting 400, uh, it's not happened since Ted Williams did it in 1941. Uh, and in my lifetime, it's only been approached twice. George Brett in 1980 and then Tony Gwynn in 94, which unfortunately we didn't get to see the end of that season. But... Can you name the only rookie who hit 400 uh, in his first season, first in his rookie season, and in what year? 
that's a pretty good for, that's a pretty good way to start a career. Whoever did that, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, uh, for our first item, on December fifth, nineteen twenty-one, Babe Ruth and two other members of the New York Yankees were suspended for participating in an illegal barnstorming tour after the nineteen twenty-one World Series. Commissioner Landis punished Ruth, outfielder Bob Musil, and pitcher Wild Bill Piercy for the first six weeks of the nineteen twenty-two season. This ha- ended up having little impact as the Yankees w- made the World Series for the second straight year, although they also lost to the New York Giants for the second consecutive time. However, Ruth had the worst year of his career, posting a 6.4 war, and as an everyday player, his 11.06 OPS was his second worst mark of the 1920s. He did bounce back in 1923, winning the MVP, and whenever I think about Babe Ruth, I really just marvel over the fact of how much bold-faced text is all over his baseball reference page. Uh, when we think about him, obviously the first thing I think about is home runs. And between 1918 and 1931, he wasn't the league leader in home runs just twice. And one of them was this 1922 season that we're talking about. He hit 35 home runs. And the other was 1925. I believe he hit 25 home runs uh, when he appeared in just 98 games. I, I tell you, a lot of guys would die for that career, even his bad years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a really, really good year. 6.4 war, like, that's, you know, elite, elite player anyways, and that's one of his worst. So, yeah, crazy. It's hard to believe. So we're going to fast forward a little bit to um, December 5th, 1973, um, when Ron Santo becomes the first player to invoke the, the new 10-5 rule. So the 10-5 rule was agreed upon during the 1972 player strike, a strike that doesn't get talked about often, uh, but cost the Red Sox a potential World Series appearance. Um, but that gives a player with um, 10 years uh, MLB service and five consecutive years with the same team uh, the right to veto a trade. So the Cubs wanted to trade uh, Santo to the Angels for two pitches, Andy Hassler and a minor leaguer, but um, Santo vetoed the trade. And Santo, uh, who was from the West Coast, he was from Seattle, but he was comfortable in Chicago and desired, desired to stay in the area. Um, and the Cubs did honor the new agreement, and he'll eventually be traded to the Crosstown White Sox for Steve Stone, Ken Frayling, and Steve Swisher. Didn't work out too well for Santo or the White Sox, as Bill Melton was already the everyday third baseman. Santo uh, moved around between second and a DH, and he really disliked the DH role. And he's going to hang up his uh, cleats in 1974. And ironically for Santo, on the same day in 2011, he will finally get his due and be voted into Baseball's Hall of Fame. It was long overdue honor. I, I'll never understand looking at the numbers how Santo got so overlooked, but he was, um, he had already passed away the previous year, but he did finally make it in. He got 15 of the 16 uh, votes from the Golden Era Committee. Yeah, disappointing he wasn't alive for that. One of the things, I'm sure you can agree with this too, Tom, is that one of the things that I love about baseball history is just this uh, element of symmetry that we see. You know, like the, he uses his 10-5 rights and then literally in the same day, you know, many, many years later, he gets his due getting into Cooperstown. Just to love that kind of symmetry that, that baseball brings to everything. I get lost in the This Day in Baseball site just looking at what happened on a specific day. Um, you know, stuff from 1840 to, you know, 2018 and how, how things are so connected. Every, if people t- tend to look at things like they're not connected, like what's happening now never happened before, but it's all, it, it, it continues to happen. It happened in 1920, 1950, 1980. It's amazing. I, I'm, I'm always amazed by it as well.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll fast forward a few more years to December 5th, 1978. After 16 years with the Cincinnati Reds, Pete Rose signed a four-year, $3.2 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Other teams who pursued Charlie Hustle included the Mets, Braves, Pirates, and the Royals. The deal temporarily made Rose the highest-paid athlete in team sports. Of course, Aaron Judge would probably be pretty mad if that's, that was the kind of deal he got these days, but you know, times change a lot. Uh, in, in his five years with the Phils, which spanned from 1979 to 1983, Pete was a four-time All-Star and helped the Phillies to two National League pennants, including the Phillies' first World Series title in, two, in, in 1980. He led the league in hits in 1981 with 140 base knocks, and he finished his Phillies career with a slash line of 291, 365, 361, which ended up spanning his age 38 to age 42 seasons. You know, when I think of Rose in 1980, um, of course, uh, at that, that year I, I was a kid and I really wanted the Royals to win. When Bob Boone's, when, the, when that foul pop, popped out of his glove and Rose was there just to snag it, um, whatever you think of Rose, Guy was a winner on the field, on the baseball field, anyways. Um, he just he made those type of plays all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he always left it all out on the field, no matter what he did, and that's probably one of the few things that nobody could ever take away from him. We're gonna go to December fifth, nineteen ninety. Um, this is a trade that I I always look back on. Padres and the Blue Jays collaborate on an old-fashioned blockbuster. Um, the Padres deal Robbie Alomar and Joe Carter to Toronto for Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez. And if you're going to look at uh, who won this trade, it was the Blue Jays, hand down, hands down. Alomar and Carter helped the Blue Jays to two World Series championships in 92 and 93. Alomar, of course, was going to become one of the best players in baseball during his six years north of the border. He had 307 with 26, uh, 206 stolen bases, 382 on base percentage, 833 OPS. He's going to finish in the top 10 in MVP votes three times and win six gold gloves. Carter, a premium RBI man, um, famous for the hitting home runs off the Red Sox to the sit-go sign. He used to call it the see-it-go sign. <laughs> um, he's going to drive in 100 runs in six of his seven years in Toronto. Only the strike short in the year in 95 stopped him, and he would have blown past it if that was a full season. Finishes in the top five in MVP voting twice, and of course, hits one of the most historic home runs in World Series history off of Mitch Williams in 93. Uh, Fred McGriff played just two full seasons for the Padres, but he did lead the league in home runs in 92 before, uh, before being traded to Atlanta at the trade deadline in 93. Uh, he was traded for nobody of any consequence. Um, and he's going to go on to hit 493 home runs over his career, playing for multiple teams. And uh, I think Cooperstown's definitely calling for uh, McGriff. Uh, Tony Fernandez, interesting case, but also plays only two years for the Padres, then gets traded to the Mets, then back to the Blue Jays, and he plays on the 93 World Series championship team. Plays in all six games and drives in nine runs. He was a total pest during that uh, 93 World Series. Yeah, I mean, and I think I agree with you. The Blue Jays definitely won this trade, that's for sure. Yeah, that was a, it was pretty much a slam dunk. So um, before we get to the trivia... Um, quick word about Tom's Vintage Baseball. We like to say that baseball is the only game you can watch on the radio. Uh, Tom's Vintage Baseball is all about the voices of the game, the announcers, game highlights and interviews. You know, we highlighted Pete Rose, Ron Santo, and Babe Ruth. You know, how'd you like to dial back the clock and listen to Babe Ruth and at bat in the 1934 World uh, All-Star Game? Or the Babe Ruth Show? Or, and he had legendary plays like Joe Wood talk about, talk about Ruth. 
Um, it's just it, it's this type of stuff you can listen to um, and just get lost in. You know, you got Pete Rose in the 1970 All Star Game. We, you know, we've all seen the play, but hearing it in the radio is different. The 70 World Series or the NLCS in 1973 when he has his famous um, brush up with Bud Harrelson. Um, and then, of course, there's Ron Santo, four All Star games in the 60s, a dozens of games during his heyday in the, uh, in the 60s as well. There's over 300 games from the 30s to the 70s, hundreds of interviews and game highlights. It's super easy. You can try it out for free, see if you like it, and we even have an app for your iPhone and Android. Again, it's TomVintageBaseball.com. So, Matt, how about that trivia? Yeah, so in 1911, a man by the name of Joseph Jefferson Jackson hit 408 for Cleveland, stacking up 233 hits, 19 triples, and a whopping 468 on base percentage that led the league. Most people call him Shoeless Joe. He was a pretty good ball player. And speaking of the devil, on December 5th, 1951, Shoeless Joe Jackson died at the age of 62. Jackson, who succumbed to a heart attack, batted 356 over his 13-year career. Jackson had the talent to be the greatest player in history, but he threw it away when he accepted a $5,000 bribe to throw the 1919 World Series. Although he did hit 375 during that series, so that's you know also up for debate on how much he tried to throw it. But still, as part of the most infamous scandal in sports history, Jackson was banished from baseball following the 1920 season, along with his seven co-conspirators. The controversy over that decision has kept Jackson's name uh, alive long after his death. I know that um, we're doing this show, and it's going to be recorded on audio only, but you know, over my shoulder, I, Matt, you can see a baseball encyclopedia. And that's the original baseball encyclopedia my dad owned. Um, that's how I got introduced to baseball. And I can remember seeing Joe Jackson's name in his lifetime batting average for the first time, and I had my, my dad telling me the stories about the Black Sox and how great a hitter he was. And, of course, um, later on in life with the Field of Dreams movie, which I still can't get through at the end without uh, shedding a tear, Hmm. Um, my only complaint is I just wish he batted left-handed in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, I, this is a deserving gripe. <clears throat> so, um, Matt, I just I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, can you tell us where people can find you? Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I had a blast. Can't wait to do this again. Uh, if you want to get your fill of home runs, check out MLBDailyDingers.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at MLBDailyDingers. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at MMusico8. Definitely a worthwhile follow for anyone who wants to um, check out Matt's stuff. Um, you can always find me at TomsVintageBaseball.com. Join for free. Hang out. Send me a message. Tell me what your favorite uh, baseball events are, and I'll, I'll, happy, I'll be happy to help you find them. Um, and we appreciate you joining us for this session of uh, Vintage Baseball Rewind. Uh, be be, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Uh, visit TomsVintageBaseball.com for more resources as well as access to episodes about baseball history. Until next time, we'll see you at the ballpark.